Hello and welcome to the Michael Mamas Show. I'm your host, Michael Mamas, and we're coming to you from Mount Soma, home of the Sri Sameshra Temple in the mountains of Western North Carolina. Uh, last night or into early this morning, uh, I got home from the temple last night at uh, a little after three in the morning. Uh, it was Maha Shiva Ratri, Night of Lord Shiva. All these different things, they're not just, you know, made up ceremonies. They're all related to the structure and dynamics of uh, uh, existence, really. Uh, that's a whole other podcast we could do at some point in time. But uh, today, what I wanted to talk about is uh, Nagadevata. Uh, I think it's a principle that isn't perhaps all that well understood and is certainly easily uh, uh, misused, I guess, in uh, different cultures. I don't know. But uh, I wanted to start by getting into this notion of uh, uh, the fabric of existence and the notion of uh, uh, the transgradient nature of existence. See, the idea is we have this, uh, and we've talked about this before, uh, the self-interacting dynamic of pure consciousness, pure isness, uh, what in modern physics they call the unified field, that one thing that is the source of everything. And as uh, uh, a number of modern physicists have said, and uh, certainly as the ancient seers and people like Swami Muktananda have said, it's just a field of pure isness, pure consciousness. Consciousness equals isness, and so in within that self-interacting dynamic, a whole structure is constructed, and that structure can be viewed, you know, in many different ways. It's multifaceted in nature; it can be viewed as a crystal. Uh, uh, that's why the in the sequential unfoldment of its structure, uh, the ninth word of uh, Rig Veda, in fact, is that that means crystal. You know, um, but it can also be used as, uh, viewed as a fabric, uh, a woven fabric, uh, and threads going through the fabric. And each of those threads can um, are or can be viewed as a, um, a particular value, a particular um, uh, uh mechanism, we're looking at it from the perspective of science or the physics of it here, uh, that weaves through the entire uh, fabric that uh, embodies with it, carries with it a certain uh, value, a certain quality. And so you could almost look at it like as that in the sense that that is foundational, you could look at it as the basis of existence. So there you would kind of view the uh, unified field, the Veda, the uh, uh, Chaitanya is the word they use uh, as the foundation. But then that fabric weaves up through all the different levels of relative existence. It goes from that transcendental level, the absolute, you could say, uh, through that very, very finest level, the finest feeling level, if you would. Uh, up through that level of uh, the psychodynamic, psychoenergetic, uh, reason level, they, um, and then up through 
that energetic level up into the physical level. And, and through that, all these different um, threads, these different qualities, these different deva values are there, present. And, and uh, 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 so each of the different deva levels exist uh, on all the levels of existence. And then they have different, they call them lokas, different levels of existence, different planes of existence. Uh, 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 and then, for example, with respect to Naga Devata, uh, Naga, uh, there's a, another name that's associated with that value, that thread on each of those different levels. Uh, and on the most superficial level, the physical level, uh, that quality of nature, because that's what we're talking about here is nature. That quality of nature manifests in the physical as uh, a snake. Now, even when we say that, when we say a snake, you know, for most of us, I think there's kind of a creepy kind of a, kind of a feeling of, you know, a snake, um, that's because not only because they're poisonous snakes, but also the way they, you know, kind of slither and things like that. Uh, a lot of people uh, have a, a pretty strong aversion to the notion of snakes. But now also, you see, that's that's sort of like um, uh, one side of the coin. The, the, the other side of the coin, though, is like, uh, well, if you think of like the... Uh, medical logo you know there's the uh well the, the two serpents weaving up along the shaft that's similar to relates to in the vedic tradition the ida pingala and the shashumna that runs up the spine the energy that goes up the spine the very primal energy the very fundamental energy called the kundalini energy that is the source of life in the human physiology and of course, in a deeper sense, Kundalini is the energy of all existence, you see. So that Naga value, you see, is, is so fundamental and such a uh, powerful operator, if you will, such a powerful uh, thread that weaves through all aspects and all different levels of life. Uh, and you can see it manifesting in, in different ways, like, for example, a double helix in the DNA uh, uh, has that has that value. Uh, and so in um, the Vedic tradition, there, there's the notion of uh, Shakti, life force of uh, Bala. Um, Shakti is like the energy and Bala is like if good Bala means a healthy physiology. If you have healthy physiology, the Bala is strong. And, and all that is dependent upon um, the, the physiology having a healthy, if you will, relationship with that Naga value that comes right out of the absolute and wells up through all the different levels of existence. And it comes up through the different energy centers, I call them the different psychophysiological centers, uh, the chakras. And we don't have to get too otherworldish when we talk about those. There's a very pragmatic value to the chakras, you know. 
we all know that the heart is an energy center. We don't think, oh, when we, if we fall in love, we don't say my elbow is swelling in love. No, my heart is swelling in love. Uh, if we are thinking, we know that we're not thinking with our knee. We're thinking with our head, you know, it's our mind. That's another psychophysiological center. And so, uh, uh, and these energies are all related and, and interconnected. Now, it's an interesting thing, too, because when we... Uh, you see this on uh, Sunday morning television or in church on Sunday mornings. It's very natural for people to go like this to connect spiritually. Why? Because those centers are associated with God above. But now that's an interesting thing, too, because we were just talking earlier about how um, in one sense, because it's foundational, we can say that the unified field, God, the transcendent is at the base, the foundation and then the physical is on the surface. But in another very real sense, the way it uh, manifests in the psychophysiology is that the base is in the physical. It's in the legs. It's in how we ground to the earth. And the, uh, then the sense of God or heaven is above, like that. So, uh, you know, that's how all that works. Uh, uh, and so then we have then... Um, this whole other paradigm, this whole other uh, understanding of, of health, of life. And we can hear that and we can understand that and say, oh, okay, that's, that's cool, you know. Uh, or we can, of course, reject it, which I think a lot of people do. Oh, okay, yeah, blah, blah, you know. And then what do we do? We go and continue our life following the channel of the paradigm with which we're currently identified, uh, you know, which I think for most of us is more of like a classical Newtonian kind of a world. And, and then all the different um, cultures that you look at throughout history had their own paradigms, the ancient Egyptian, the ancient Greeks, uh, the medieval times, uh, the Vikings, uh, and, and they all have their different gods associated with them. And it's, it's um, not wise to too, too quickly uh, uh, reject those paradigms because they're an infinite number of simultaneously valid, but at first glance, you know, contradictory. Well, they are contradictory in a way. Uh, 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 it's a paradoxical universe, you know. Uh, so there are all these different paradigms, but what we tend to do is cling to a particular paradigm, which limits our own understanding of life, our own understanding of existence. And, and it limits our relationship with the world and with life. And we call that truth and we put on our blinders and reject everything else. So you see in the Vedic tradition, it's not just about you know, the, uh, the fabric, it's, it's not just about um, one paradigm or another. In fact, in, within the structure of the Veda, it accommodates and uh, in the different branches of the Veda, it addresses in great detail uh, all these different paradigms, uh, certainly including uh, what's the popular Western paradigm. Uh, of, you know, what we would call today Newtonian physics, you see? So this sort of a thing isn't something that we can say, oh, okay, I get it, I'm going to embrace all these different paradigms. 
because what we're talking about here is how, how the mind actually functions. It's a physiological thing. You can't, for example, decide that you're going to be really buff and muscular and then boom, you're buff and muscular. It's something that has to be developed. And in the same sense, the awareness has to be uh, free to function in a uh, 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 more flexible way and, and uh, a manner that's free from the limitations and the conditioning that we have imposed upon it oftentimes in the name of education, in, you know? Um, yeah. Are, but could it be said that all these threads are um, present in every point everywhere? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, That's and that's an important point too. And it's a good point that you brought that up, Scotty, because it's not like one thread is over here, another thread is over there. Uh, the, the idea of that fabric is just to illustrate um, at one aspect of, of the whole dynamic. But what you're bringing up here illustrates another aspect of the whole dynamic. You could say that the Veda exists at every point in creation eternally. You see? So that's, that's a very good point to bring up, Scotty. So all these analogies we use. Another analogy we can use is like, if you have a um, uh, kind of like a distorted or a uh, twisted relationship, so to speak, based because you see, if we have a limited perspective, that what that tends to do is uh, uh, skew or to kind of twist our relationship with the whole dynamic. It um, uh, puts a little distortion in it. And that's kind of like, um, oh, you know, you can take a piece of glass and then if you kind of melt it, it kind of twists and then the whole image becomes kind of <laughs> distorted or twisted. And then that's the way you view the world. Uh, uh, and, and what that does then, if you function in the world with that kind of twist, then your very relationship with the world throws more twist into the whole dynamic. And uh, another analogy that we've commonly used, right, Scotty, is the uh, idea of the fishbowl. You know, uh, when global consciousness becomes distorted, it throws more um, uh, pollution, if you will, in, into the fishbowl. And when that happens, it, the fishbowl just continually gets more and more polluted, more and more twisted. And uh, uh, the whole fishbowl, not just the fish themselves, though it certainly affects the fish, some more than others, but also uh, the entire environment, the uh, walls of the fishbowl, the plants in the fishbowl, the gravel at the bottom of the fishbowl, the water itself, everything. And that's what we have going on today. But now see, there's a really great thing called, well, in, uh, in uh, medicine, we call it homeostasis. If you cut your hand, there's an inner intelligence that heals the cut. And so the doctor's job really isn't to heal the cut. The, the doctor's job is just to, you know, keep it clean and things like that so that the inner intelligence, the homeostasis, heals the cut. And like that, uh, the real healing of, for the planet itself, for the world itself, for all the craziness that's going on in the world today, the real healing is to facilitate that self-correcting mechanism, that inner intelligence. And it's interesting because even in, uh, you'll hear, uh, I've heard some uh, Christian ministers even say that, you know, the world's so messed up right now, the only thing that can heal it is God. And uh, uh, 
in one sense, you hear that and you say, oh, come on, you know, that just doesn't make any sense. You guys are way out there, you know. But in, once you understand that there's that inner intelligence and that's really what he's talking about, uh, it's like, oh, yeah, okay. It's the homeostasis. It's that inner intelligence that heals the cut. And, and uh, that, in fact, is one of the challenges and one of the problems, I think, with religion today is that it's not expressed in a way that to most people even makes sense. People need a deeper understanding of what in the world that means. Because, you know, otherwise it's like, it just seems like too airy-fairy la-la land. Uh, uh, are, are, are you with me there, Scotty? Anything you want to add? Well, yeah. Um, I was just wondering, too, is it's like, you know, as an, in, you know, as these threads come up out of, you know, the absolute, and then they manifest into us as individuals up at the top is that's what we're trying to do is, you know, when they're, they're talking about, you know, uh, becoming enlightened or finding God or whatever it's to, you know, plug directly into that value. Mm -hmm. which not been distorted as it comes out with the, is that uh, how would you put that yeah see that's uh these things are you know deeper than one might think at first glance it's not like yeah. all of a sudden boom you're enlightened and so the uh uh naga value is flowing perfectly in the eat of pangala shishumna all the chakras everything is all perfect and you're walking around like some a uh, uh, perfect image of divinity, you know. Uh, but what what does happen is there's an an aspect you could even relate it if you wanted to certain uh, tracks in the nervous system uh, and in the brain that uh, uh, finally start functioning in a way where the consciousness is awake to that transcendental level. And I don't mean awake in a, some sense of oh, we have some sense of it. We all have that. We all have some sense. We may not use the word divinity, but we have some sense of that there's something uh, exquisite, something um, um, precious uh, about our own inner being and about the universal and perhaps about the universality of that being. Uh, even people that are atheists still have that that sense. You know, they, they just would frame it in a different language, you know. Uh, and, 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 uh, And, and that is, a, it's a major game changer because in that moment of, of that full, we could call it a full awakening, and they're, you see, it can all be so misleading because they're like uh, an infinite number of different awakenings. You know, even a little kid, when they first learn how to do addition, it's like, wow, that's so cool. And the light bulb goes off inside. And, oh, I, you know, it's like an awakening. And there are different kind, all sorts of different awakenings, and there are spiritual awakenings. And oftentimes, people have a certain awakening, and boom, they think they're enlightened. But uh, and you could call those little mini enlightenments if you wanted, playing with the language. But but the maha enlightenment is something very rare, and and um, and. Uh, you know, all too often people will pick up, you know, a new age, particularly in the West, to be honest, 
people pick up a new age spiritual book, you know, be here now or whatever, and they'll read it and they'll get it. And so they, oh, and I'm enlightened. You know, it's just, it's just not like that. It's not that simple, you know, okay, you had an awakening, but you know, it's so different. But, but uh, what happens though, even after what we're talking about here is cosmic consciousness, when you have that awakening, there's still all sorts of different aspects of the physiology that can be refined and refined. Uh, uh, and they even talk in Vedic literature about when it gets to the point where there's actually an absolute body. You see, what is an absolute body? That's when not just the awareness becomes full and clear and awakened to the absolute value that it is, not as a notion, not as a hunch or a feeling or a sense, but as a full awakening, but actually the tissues of the body refine, 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 because you see the Naga value and uh, the value value. The value is like wind. Uh, and there's so many different qualities and aspects to the Naga value, so many different qualities and aspects to the uh, value value. Every joint has a different, unique value quality. Every single joint in the body, uh, infinite number of different value values. And, and uh, uh, all of those can have a, a balance and an imbalance value. Uh, just like they'll, they'll talk about Lakshmi. Lakshmi is the, uh, the goddess a lot of people call, call her goddess of wealth. Well, not just money wealth, but wealth in every sense, you know, abundance of life, beauty of life can be likened to, if in, the, in the sense of weather, you might say that, I don't know, you might say Lakshmi is associated to a beautiful summer morning when all the vegetation is lush and the flowers are blooming and everything is just exquisite with dew, you know, kind of like that. Uh, and so that's the Lakshmi value. But there's also then the Alakshmi value. Alakshmi is kind of like the Lakshmi value, the goddess value, if you will, in a home even where the um, lifestyle is unhealthy. Maybe the people are, I don't know, you know, drug addicts and into just very unhealthy uh, life. And, and in that arena, then that's the the luxury value that's worshipped, if you will, and maybe consciously or unconsciously, is a luxury, you know? And and you could say that, you know, every deity, if you want it, has that uh, value, you know? Um, um, you know, you could do that. And that's what we're talking about when we talk about the uh, 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 Nagadevata value. And that's when... People even get in, you know, there's all kinds of weird snake worship or I don't know, different things that people do. And I don't know. That is kind of like the unhealthy Naga value, you know. Um, uh, am I making sense here, Scotty? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, so um, there are ancient technologies in the Veda, they're described. Uh, um, it would be in the Shastras, Upaveda. And they're ancient technologies that explain how to maintain. And then you get into Ayurveda and all that, Upaveda. Anyway, uh, 
There are ancient technologies that explain how to maintain the healthy fabric of life, how to maintain all the different um, uh, values of, of divinity, all the different qualities, all the different facets of the diamond, how to clear the uh, fishbowl, you know, just different ways of saying, we're just finding different ways to help give an insight and a feeling for, for the, what we're talking about here. Uh, how to purify all that, how to, in Ayurveda, specifically focus largely on the human physiology and, the, and how to clear all that so that the physiology is functioning in harmony with what? That foundation. In harmony with what? Nature. The Veda is nature, you see? It's nature. Uh, uh, now, what's going on in the world today, um, we talked about, you know, how, you know, this whole thing about how people kind of lost touch with, you know, the deeper meaning of religion, for example, and people hear, oh, you know, what we need is God, and they don't, and, and they hear some preacher saying that, and it doesn't make any sense that it's like, that's not going to heal things. You know, what, what are they talking about? They don't understand. Uh, and so it leaves people floundering in life. Uh, and they, they start looking for deeper meaning. But they've lost touch with, with that foundation. And that's tragic. And so what they try to do then is they try to find different meaning. Meaning, They try to uh, uh, conjure up different paradigms that can give them some sense that, okay, they do have a deeper meaning. They do have a deeper insight. And, and that's largely, you know, what's birthed a lot of the craziness that's going on today. Um, uh, uh, for example, the whole well, the whole woke thing is, is largely based on trying to create a, a deeper value system when, when touch with the foundation isn't there. And like I've said, you can justify anything with the intellect. And oftentimes it can be, uh, at least in, in, in a lot of the people that are following that, that paradigm, they're well-intended, but they're misled. And then, of course, we can get into that whole thing about, you know, uh, it, it was learned a long time ago and it was implemented, goes all the way, you know, Saul Alinsky and way before that, that the best way to defeat a nation and this, you know, uh, Khrushchev hitting his shoe on the desk at the uh, United Nations back in what was that, the 50s? And uh, now the Chinese and we will bury you and all that. And what did they do? They, they permeated the institutions. And there are even quotes from Chinese leaders saying that's what they're going to do. And that's what they've done, you know. And, and so what do they do? They see a floundering nation of people that have lost touch with the foundation of life. And they've used that to undermine and... Uh, and creeping in like a thief in the night, really, and see creeping in. What is that? That's a distorted 
anaga, you could say, unhealthy quality to the um, uh, naga value, the serpent value, if you will, to overtake a whole nation. And that and, and and it's going on and it's very clandestine and very unhealthy and and it further distorts and compromises uh, an entire nation and an entire culture. So you see the whole woke thing, it's not just political, it's also cultural, it's social, it's racial, it's permeating all levels of life and it's compromising uh, uh, our, our nation and our world. Uh, and it's it's strange because it's it's become so so racist, you know. Chairman Mao, you know Chinese Chairman Mao, it got so ridiculously racist. I mean, he was killing people um, because they wore glasses, or if they had accents, uh, or if they were educated. I mean, it went on and on. And, and when you think about it, now, we, do you know that the United States, uh, the federal government now has an agency. It's an equity team agency. It's all about equity. And it's, it's a federal government agency, office, department. And uh, uh, it's the most racist thing that's ever created, you know, in modern history since Nazi Germany, really. It's a, uh, it's a gender policy council. It's actually and I don't mean to get too political here, but this is just the way it is. It's headed up by Barack Obama. It's, in, it's instituted by Susan Rice, who was, you know, under Obama during his administration. And, uh, and it's a thing about protecting every minority group. Uh, you know, and so we get into the transsexuals, we get into the homosexuals, we get into, you know, women, blacks, browns, this, that. Every minority group is is protected except for, except for one, which is interesting. Do you know what that one is, Scotty? I'm sure white males or something. Yeah, straight white males. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, and so now they're doing this this thing where, and uh, uh, Biden, President Biden, is is determined to assure that every department has a equal and appropriate proportion of every one of these minority groups. Uh, it has nothing to do with qualifications anymore. It has a, it's a, yeah. well, you know, it's all about gender and race and so on and so forth. Michael, on, on politics, I've talked for a long time that kind of the system or the structure that we have has, has morphed into something that's it's now broken you know, they've taken, you know, so, but, you know, how do we bring back into, I guess, into being something that's more in line with like natural law or like with, um, I don't know how you would put that, but, you know, just something, you know, cause we've got people, you know, the, it's, the people ultimately that are running this, that have changed this, that have broken the system. Yeah. Well, that's, it's almost in a way, and I'm playing with words here, forgive me, but maybe it's even more accurate to say it's not broken. It's, it's twisted. Yeah. uh, uh, And convoluted. And that's even in a way worse than broken because if it's broken, okay, clearly that's broken. But if it's twisted and convoluted, 
some, you know, there's a con- continuity to it still. There's a rationale to it. Right. You know, and well, how that, do we how do we clear clear it out to get it, you know, back to its base? Well, you know, funnily enough, and as, as ridiculous as, as it sounds to most people on the surface, and hopefully we clarified what it really means so it doesn't sound so ridiculous, but the truth of the matter is it's it's clean in the fishbowl, which like the Christian uh, minister says, the only thing that's going to heal this is God. You know, in other words, the self-correcting mechanism, awakening to that uh, Chaitanya value, the the homeostasis value. So you uh, think facilitating the, the self-correcting mechanism. And how do we do that? That's what we're trying to do at Mount Soma, which there is the technology there. Like I said, in the Veda, they explain how to do it. So let's do it. Why don't we do it? Again, what we talked about, paradigm identity. People are caught up in a particular paradigm. And, you know, I, I was watching a commercial. I think I, I think it was about deodorant. And they, and they were trying to sell this deodorant because it's a game changer. And it just struck me funny, the phrase game changer. Everybody wants that game changer, but they don't want really want a game changer because they want to adhere to, in the big picture, the real ultimate game changer. The ultimate game changer is a paradigm shift, a new way of thinking, a new way of understanding life and existence. They don't want that. Not really. They want to continue to see things the way they see things, and they want it all to get fixed based upon that certain limited paradigm, and it's not going to work. It's not going to work. What we need is is to expand and open our awareness to a newer way of thinking, and the technology is there. It's there in rigor. And the reason it's kind of fallen by the wayside and not even recognized is because it's just too foreign to people's thinking. It's not part of their current paradigm. And I'm not saying we throw away our rationale. In fact, the beauty of it is it does make sense. It makes tremendous sense. But people need to be willing to to take a look at it and to work with it and to look and move beyond their current uh, paradigm identity, you know. There is so much going on in the news right now, and I'm exasperated. You know, uh, I want to talk about this thing. I want to talk about that thing. I want to talk about Russia and Ukraine and uh, 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 it's just so well, if you just, you have to take it upon yourself to look at the news and, 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 um, it's it's out there. Russia and the Ukraine, they could have negotiated this thing away in the very beginning, but they didn't do it. Why didn't they do it? Because Biden, this is just the truth. They wanted to use that whole situation to go after Putin. And they wanted to keep the war going. And that's been throughout our history. We did it in Vietnam. We did it in Afghanistan. We did it in uh, Iraq. Uh, where else did we do it? It just... What we do, and so we keep that tension going, and and the uh, uh, military-industrial complexes keep run rolling along, making their money while we keep that tension, and all that while we're killing innocent people. I mean, it's just the whole thing is just nuts, and it's everywhere, and it just keeps going on and on, and then you know, in this whole world, this whole nation of such brilliant people, 
And, and look who we have as president and vice president. I mean, come on. You have to face it, you know. I mean, I mean, I hate to be so critical, but they're incompetent, you know. And, uh, and then Joe Biden recently got a physical exam, and he was assessed as vigorous, and they didn't even do a mental exam. They didn't even do a cognitive exam. And, oh, well, you're not a doctor? I mean, are you kidding me? Anybody can look at the guy, and the guy can hardly string a, a few sentences together. And oh, because people aren't doctors, then we're going to say, oh, <sighs> oh, and then and then the whole vinyl chloride thing in that uh, little town in uh, Ohio, and all those trains, and and. Uh, 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 all that leak of vinyl chloride and they burn it and ash and the, the water is polluted and the, and then the EPA comes along and says, oh no, the water's fine to drink. I mean, you drink it, you know? And, and, uh, and then they're, and the whole thing becomes so politically charged about, for example, pipelines. Pipelines are so much safer than trains. If you, if you do get a leak in a pipeline, you don't leak, you know, 10 million gallons of vinyl chloride. It's a leak. You find it, you patch it. There was a little bit of a leak, but it's nothing like that. But, oh, it's not vogue to have pipelines, so let's truck it around in trains or big cargo ships. I mean, the whole thing is crazy. And also, leading, leading doctors, researchers from elite institutions like Stanford, Harvard, all over the nation. They, they say they know that the COVID vaccine is neither safe nor effective. In fact, they're saying that the more booster shots a person gets, the more susceptible they are to the, the virus. And it's out there. The research is out there. But the Pharmaceutical companies are making billions of dollars. The whole thing is locked down. This is all wrong, and it's all crazy, and it's all why? Because the whole thing is twisted. The whole thing is distorted. The whole thing is a mess, and it's got to stop, and it's not, it's not that hard to stop. Uh, uh, you know Vivek Ramaswamy? Do you know who he is, Scotty? No. Oh really? Uh, he he's great. He's a uh, he's on the news sometimes, and he's written a number of books. Woke Inc. He wrote Woke Inc. and he, he has a website. But uh, uh, oh gosh, he's he's worth looking into. But um, he was. Um, He was saying that we have to just tell the corporations, and I don't agree with him on this, even though he's great, but he was saying just we have to tell the corporations that they just have to stop dealing with China. And we're, it's going to be hard on people, but we have to stop the shoes we wear, the telephones in our pockets, we have to stop letting the corporations get all those things manufactured in China. Well, the trouble with that 
is that corporations are functioning of, by, and for the money, and they even have a fiduciary responsibility to their shareholders to, to do what's cheapest. So in my opinion, the only way you're going to get the corporations to do that is to make it, is to impose things financially. And, and the most expeditious way to do that is with tariffs, really. Tariffs well, and embargoes. Well, there's Don't, some other things, Michael, that are happening. I've heard from, there's a, a guy that does a, a podcast out of Colorado yeah. that's talking about Russia and and when you and and china but a lot of the stuff is moving out of china and into other places because the uh cost of labor has actually gone up for china yeah yeah, yeah. and like mexico for skilled labor is actually cheaper than china right now yeah and, but, and i agree with that mal i, I mal agree with that doing the one child thing china's the the working force is is going away because they don't right. have enough younger people. So I think a lot of that is being it's it's going to transition too. So I, I agree with all that, but yeah. at the same time, and that's long term. In same time, we could right now go a long way to shifting manufacturing and making uh, these countries in uh, United States and Europe and Brazil and things like that. We could make them a lot healthier if the federal governments would just step forward and, and do things to impose that upon uh, uh, their nations to make the nations healthier, you know, right away. Uh, Cause right now, I mean, you go buy something at the grocery store, go buy something at Walmart or wherever and look at it. It's probably made in China, you know, and, uh, uh uh, you're not going to change that by asking the corporations to please stop doing it. That's my only point. Yeah. You know, and the, the vinyl chloride thing to get back to that, you know, the EPA uh, did not go in there to help all those people where the, all this vinyl chloride, which is highly toxic, highly volatile, and the EPA said, oh, no, we only deal with, I think it was Biden, actually, who said that we, the EPA only deals with earthquakes and tornadoes, which is completely not true. And these poor people, they told them, oh, the water's fine to bathe and drink. And it's rainbow colored. I mean, it's ridiculous. But now, and that's, and that happened that where that leak was, was in a very red, you know, very uh, pro-Trump area. But now, You've probably seen in the news Camp Lejeune in California, you know, a very blue state. Uh, there was a, a leak in the water there. You know what that? You know what the leak in that water was? Vinyl chloride. And and they're going ballistic to clean it up. I mean, th things aren't lining up here. Is it true too? I heard that they're not giving them like any like support or something like nothing to like bring in different things so nothing and the railroad company which is worth 55 billion dollars is going around offering the residents a thousand dollars to settle one thousand dollars ridiculous yeah you know i mean yeah because somebody was saying that they're giving more more aid to 
people in Ukraine than they are in Ohio or something. I was I don't I don't know well, for the whole thing, and we just touched upon a few of them. The whole thing, the way it's all going, is preposterous, and people are waking up, and they are waking up. And it's got to change and it will change and everything's moving in the right direction. In a sense, you know, the, the good news is that this is a sign that the golden age is just around the corner. You know, when the pendulum is swung so far in one direction, it's getting ready to swing back. And when it does, it picks up acceleration fast. And so we're entering a time now where things are going to accelerate in a positive direction very, very quickly. And, and we can be thankful for that. All right, Scotty, unless I left something out, um, well, we left tons out, but, you know, because we could go on forever. But yeah. unless there's something more uh, we should add now, I think we'll close. Okay, Scotty? Yeah, no, that's All good. Right. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, We'll talk with you again next week.